Hello, everyone, and welcome down to episode number 113 of the Down South Photo Show with me, Brendan Waits, here in Ocean Grove, Victoria, Australia, and the guy who is on your other screen or in your other ear, it's Cam Blake from Hobart Town, Tasmania, Australia. How are you, Cameron? I'm good, thank you, Brendan. Good, uh, good, nice rhythm there. That was good. That flew, flew straight off the tongue, didn't it? That one. It never stops the crap that comes out of here. No, that is uh, constantly dribbling. That's why we've got yes. beards, so we can catch 100%. all the shit that falls out of our mouth. 100%. Yes. How are you? What, you good? Yeah, really well. Um, yeah. Straight off the top, thank you for everyone who has been enjoying our Three Capes Walk videos, part one and part mm. two that went live over the last two weeks. That's why you haven't seen these mugs on the screens for a couple of weeks. So um, really enjoyed putting those videos together because you sort of get to relive the, the hype, which was great. But yeah, the feedback's been fantastic. And uh, if you haven't checked it out, there's a link in the description for you to go and have a look at it. Why don't we put a little link on the screen? Do you know how to do that? Yeah, I do. I did it once and then it didn't work. And so I gave up. So yeah, there's a, there's a card just there. See, go and sure. tag, hit that. Surely we can put a card up. I, I just did. Yeah, it's probably not there. <laughs> it's not there. It's a fair <laughs> chance that's not there. If you clicked on the card above, leave a comment below to tell me how good I am or yeah, how it, crap I am if you couldn't see one. Yes. If the card's not there, please go to town on the comments yeah. on him, not yeah. me. I saw some real YouTubers do that once. So maybe maybe we're capable of it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. With people, I think a lot of people watch this on their big screen anyway. Apparently so. So um, like they'd have to like press it. Yes, uh, I got I got told in the shop yesterday by a lady customer that she fell asleep to my dulcet tones last night. So many places we can go with that, but we're not. Her husband was watching the show in the bedroom right. on the big screen that they've got in their bedroom. So that's a bit weird, isn't it? The yeah, mind the... boggles, Cameron. Do you anyway. find it? Do you find it's lovely that people tune in, and I'm very gracious that they do. But it is. Do you find it a bit weird that people are watching us on the big screen in their bedroom? Definitely. Thank you to all 769 of, of course, 769 of you are subscribed <laughs> to this point. And uh, thank you for tuning in, liking, subscribing, following, uh, sharing the channel around, all that stuff we say every week. People right now are ooing and ahhing over your background, Cameron. So no, they're not. They're ooing and ahhing over your background. Ado, without any further ado, I'm going to talk about mine first. Good idea. This, this is <laughs> this is going viral, this shot. This has been... So this is uh, a shot... If you were attentive on the Three Capes videos, you would have seen me taking that photo, I think. There's a clip of me actually capturing this image. This is, um, so basically it's the view that overlooks uh, Tasman Island. Uh, but at the base of the cliffs is this funky little island. I'm guessing it's got a name, but I don't know what it is. Um, it yeah, wouldn't be do, any more you than... Do, you, you didn't do your research? No. I, I had to do a Where Is Wednesday, apparently, from Parks Tasmania to work out where it is. But anyway... <laughs> Another story. Um, it's about 30 or 40 metres wide. Wouldn't be any more than that. Mm, pretty um, small. Yeah. yeah. I just love the way the water was playing around the edges of this island. You can see it. it all, someone said the other day, it looks like you've dropped an island in the ocean and that's all the water sort of exploding away from it. But uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's one of those images that came up exactly how I drew it up in my mind. So I was really stoked to get this. It's nice and sharp. And uh Thank you to uh, the OM system built-in neutral density filters for helping me get such a long exposure. Thank you very much. There you go. Yeah, I can I can see that little island on Google Maps, but it's okay. not it's not named. Oh well, guess what? It is, it is now down south photo show island. <laughs> well, <laughs> do, you know, do you know the bay that it's in? The bay's got a pretty cool name. I never noticed. Uh, that? That's Sheep Wash Bay. Oh, that's cool. 
Um, I wonder why they call it Sheepwash Bay. I don't is know, because... but there is a Sheepwash Road in Barwon Heads just over here. So, Trigana just chucked the sheep in there and just gave them a, like a washing machine and dragged them out again. I don't think they'd survive. It's a fair drop. That's right. <laughs> Talk about a sheep dip. It's true. <laughs> it's a long way down. It um, is. Yeah, yeah so cool. that was one of my favourite shots that I got on the Three Capes Walk. Um, just one of many. And, uh, and, and you mentioned something about a Where Is Wednesday. What, what's all that about? What, what happened with that? So um, because I'm so hip with the kids and I do tagging, um, I tagged Taz Parks when I put this photo up on Facebook and uh, they saw it because they were tagged in it. And then they, <laughs> it was quite funny because they actually contacted me to see if they could use it and I didn't see the email and then, Anyway, um, they used it, uh, they which used, is totally they, fine by me. They used it anyway, yeah. Yeah. No, well, they didn't use it anyway. They they used that. They did reach out to me, which is totally yeah, fine. But so. you didn't give them permission. You, they just went ahead and did it. No, um, oh. I did when after I saw the email after it went. Uh, so oh right, it's, okay. It's to, it didn't worry me at all. Um, so, so no controversy. No controversy whatsoever. And um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, they couldn't tag camera and photo though, because that's a that's a business and enterprise uh, ah. outside of Tasmania. But they could put Brendan Waits on there. So, oh, that's why it was done that that way. Yeah. So they actually they actually played by their own rules. That's good, right, but that's just silly though, isn't it? Who cares if the person's outside of Tasmania taking the photo? Oh, I get it. That's right. I'm There's fine. too many bloody rules these days. Yeah, and um, that image there, I'm not allowed to sell. Yes, you can. No, it's in a national park in Tasmania, and I don't have the right permit. No, but you're on one of my tours, so you're covered. <laughs> is that right? Is that the loophole? That's the loophole. All right. So if you would like to buy that image, <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to buy that, it's one million. Have I got a deal for you? For you. Um, uh, yeah. No. If uh, we're on a tour, so um, any customers on a tour are covered under the license. Very good. Um, can we hold off on your background for reasons that will be apparent mm. later? Guess we don't want to steal the limelight. That's fine. We do not. Um, we no have problems. got a uh, a couple of announcements to make. Yeah. One, much overdue, the announcement of the People's Choice winner for our summer comp, which we ran through January, and we didn't get to announce in February because we had a fair bit on. Yes. Um, well, we're still in Choice, February. Technically, we're still in February now. Well, we are recording this on the 29th of February, February. which only happens every four years. Mm. Um what was I going to Actually, say? Thanks. Before you get before, yeah, sorry, before you go any further, You're I'm right. going to do a shout out to Mr. Ian Wallace. I think he watches the show. It's his mm. birthday today. Is he? Is he ten? He's he's a thirteen year old. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, Fantastic. he's a thirteen year old, and and I reckon he acts around about eight. So, <laughs> but have you? And he's got a twin sister, um, Barb, who also wow um, shares the same birthday twins that were born on the 29th of february yeah that's something yeah and uh so she also runs or she's heavily involved with the and some people might know the aurora victoria page up there ah right yeah so small world but ha happy birthday to those two fantastic um, yeah anyway sorry you were saying something about the 29th uh, february competition yes our summer comp competition mm. uh the people's choice award winner who wins a 100 dollars voucher from cameron <laughs> that's right. From, well, it from says me. from me. It so that, that's ambiguous. From you. Um, yeah. Seems you're giving away their voucher. Would you like to announce the winner? Yes, absolutely. Um, this is uh, the photo of the hay barrels. Which is in, there on the screen right now. Or it's, maybe it's not. Right there. Uh, yeah, there's the beautiful hay barrels in that beautiful sunset uh, scenario. Really nice shot. That was the People's Choice. Uh, David Oldendorf. Oldenhoff, sorry. 
I always call him, I always think of David Hasselhoff. Of course you would. Uh, David Oldenhoff. Uh, David, I know you, you know me. Uh, contact me and I'll give you some vouchers. Um, and but, just because Cameron knows him doesn't mean that there's anything nah. underhanded going on in this. This was the People's Choice winner. No, no it still cost me a hundred bucks to have a friend. <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> um, but if you haven't seen David's work, uh, David does some really, really lovely work down here in Tassie. Uh, so go check it out. He's got a Facebook page and Instagram and stuff like that, I believe. So go check him out. Give him a like. All that kind of jazz. Congratulations so, to David. Do we have another comp coming up? So um, this video goes live on the 1st of, 1st March. of March. Perfect. So welcome to March, everybody. Uh, and uh, this video and this podcast, by the way, thanks for everyone who tuned into the audio only version of the podcast last week. If you YouTubers out there haven't picked up that we just laid down a secret little audio podcast mm. last week, jump over to the pods and check it out. There ain't no video, but you can no. hear us talking. I reckon they'll skip that. I don't reckon they will. It was a very good episode, Cameron. It's probably one of our best episodes we've done. The fact that we both did it naked was was a, was a bit weird, but it was, you well, know. But remember, we had no backgrounds. That's right. It was fantastic. We didn't have to care about anything. That's right. And literally let our hair down. It was good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the March comp, the theme for the March comp is Blue Hour. What the hell is Blue Hour, Cameron? Uh, well, does it go for 60 minutes? Probably. So Blue Hour would be generally, we'll say generally because it's not exactly an hour. It could be an hour and a bit. It could be less than be a um, period of time. Period of time before the sun rises and a yep. period of time after the sun has completely set. Correct. Is Blew out. And generally what happens is the light reflects off the atmosphere a bit more and you get some beautiful light tones and sort of more cooler tones and that's called blue hour. Could you argue that the photo behind you was done during blue hour? Uh, you could technically say it was blue hour because yeah. it was just after the sun set. So the big deal about blue hour, as Cam alluded to, is the light being reflected off the atmosphere, but you are in the shade of the earth because the sun has gone down. So... Um, you can get some really cool, like deep navy blues mm. and really cool colors. So, how does that work when the earth's flat? That's right. I know. We've we've just fried a few brains. Yeah. Have you seen those idiots that try to dispel the bloody flat? Earth do they things? really think that? That's surely at this point they're just taking the piss. No. There's there's one. I watched one documentary on it where they had like two bits of board up on a on a stand exactly the same height and they shone the laser through it. And yes, I have seen that. It's a flat. And then the guy's like, hmm, just hmm. raise that board another meter, will you? Yeah, that's like, right. And a laser goes through it and they go, okay, right. And that's the end of, that's the end of the whole documentary. I, I think we just disproved our own theory. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, but yeah, it's, um, blue hour is good fun. Um, yeah, it's, it's generally when you get that beautiful soft light. Uh, we had a bit of blue hour when we rocked up at the shop behind you when we first got to that spot too. Yes, we um, did. So you got to get up early, um, and that's why we generally say with sunrise and sunset, you don't get there right on the time that the sun's setting or mm -hmm. rising. Give yourself an hour before and an hour after, um, and you'll find that the light, once the light starts growing, it's it's really lovely, and you get some mm -hmm. lovely shots. Yeah. And generally speaking, in the long, the warmer months, you get a longer blue hour. Yeah. Um, and that's when I actually really, I think we're coming into the prime time for landscape photography right. in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, as we start rolling, well, 1st of March, we already said that. Goodness mm. me, Cam, summer's done. Yeah, what's summer? Exactly. I remember yeah. summer this year. It was a Wednesday. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It was um, just gone quick. 
Yeah, but we are. We're marching forward in the year. Uh, we are. We're getting. I'll tell you what's retarded. If that's a word I can use. <laughs> Cut that out. No. Can you what, still uh, use that word? <laughs> we have I'll tell you what I tell you what. Well, it is a bit retarded. I'll tell you what's retarded <laughs> is the autumn leaves down here are changing. Yeah, yeah. Um like what the hell? Like what the actual hell is yeah, going I've, on? Yeah, I've I've noticed that as well. I, um in fact this evening I did I did a quick drive over to my framers who lives in the beautiful little town of Moriac. Hello to anyone listening from Moriac. About half an hour drive from here. Um and yeah, I noticed up a few driveways. Yeah. People sort of line their driveways with um deciduous trees. And yeah, I saw, yeah, I'm like, hey, why are they really yellow already? Why are yeah. they really ready? What's they've, going they've, on here? They've been yellow down here for a couple of weeks already. Yeah, it's kind Even of an it, interesting my, season in your traditional, yeah. like Bright and 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 uh, Dalesford and uh, New Norfolk where you are. Like how yeah. how things yeah. are going to actually pan out? Yeah, I, I think we're in for a bit of a a different in different seasons of the year. Um, yeah, I think it's fair to say just put everything back a month. So summer is not December to February; it's it's January to end of March now. I think so too, and and that's proven by the fact that we are now getting the hottest days of the year here in Victoria. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. we've had we've had a couple of really. Yesterday was horrible. Uh, yeah. uh, fire weather, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which uh, I'm sure you're getting down there in Tassie as well. Yeah, it was a bit rough last night, but uh, better today. Hmm. Um, I just wanted to, we, we did just touch on the videos of the three capes walk. Um, just a little bit of a, a summary about, about all that and probably to wrap it all up and put it to bed sort of thing, so to speak. Um, still living large in your memory, Cam, that awesome walk down the three capes? Oh, not really. No, I've moved on. Moved on. Yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> next topic. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's, um, yeah, it has, yeah. Um, I spoke to five star Dan today and he was talking about it again. Um, good. So yeah, like it's uh, it really is a nice walk, and I've had a few people um, last night. My kids did some swimming track practice or swimming lessons, and one of the dads was there from their school as well. And I was telling him, he goes, "Oh, I reckon I could take the boys down there." I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. it's a wonderful walk." So um, yeah, I think the more now that we've been home for a few weeks, um, the more I think I'll definitely do it again sometime. Yeah, um, because I think it's worth another another trip along there. Um, and now you know know what you're in for and time-wise and location-wise, you can sort of, you know, I think what we could have done maybe different on the first trip is take our time even more. Yeah. Uh, like we're, that first day, you know, you could really, you could just dawdle the whole way, really. Oh, you could dawdle each day. You don't, yeah. well, maybe not the third day, I think, that because that, you're out and back. Yeah, but if you uh, get up early like we did, like, like we we'll, we're, we're back at the cabins by 10 o'clock that morning. Well, we still had people coming in you know, um, like with a couple of hours of daylight to spare at the third night hut. So that's right. Yeah, yeah, you could quite easily take it a lot easier. Having said that, we we got some amazing weather, and a, a few people have said to me, "Gee, you nailed the weather on the three caves," which leads me to believe that that's not that common. Nah, probably not. <laughs> it's um, it's a pretty brutal kind of part of the world when it wants to be. Um, if you were there last night, um, if you were there last night at that blade. You would have got some of the most incredible photos ever taken in Tasmania, I reckon. Yes, yes, but it, we weren't. Uh, it would have been pretty spectacular down there yeah. last night. It was um, incredible. Well, I, I think I think it's there's only one thing for it, Cam, and that's we tackle it again in a in a in a really bad season. All right, let's do middle of winter, twenty twenty seven or something. Twenty twenty seven. If you can when handle can, the one hundred and fifty k gust winds, you'll be right. When we can fit it in. 
<laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. So again, thank you for everyone who joined us on that trip. Cam, your background, please. Can you reveal all and get your beautiful face out of the way so people can see? Right. Yeah. There you go. There's my background. It's what a is, shot. It is a shot from last night down here. We had probably one of the best storm displays I've seen since I've been down here. Um, lots of lightning, lots of fork lightning. Unfortunately, I don't know. Didn't set any fires off by the look of it, but um, right, one of those storms that happens just on the end of the day, so you get that beautiful color left over, that blue owl, like you said. Um, and yeah, I was like, I got in the car, I thought I'm going to go for a drive here, and uh, I didn't have to go too far. I went like ten minutes, literally ten minutes down the bloody road, and uh, there was all these bolts happening. I'm like, okay, I've got to stop the car and get out here, otherwise it's just going to go over the top of me. And so I set my camera up. I literally did four frames and went. Right, I'm done. I can't get any. It's passed over my head. Um, it was moving away from me. So that was it. I did four frames, and out of those, I got uh, two two pretty good shots and two sort of mediocre shots. So yeah. absolutely mm. awesome, man. Like, and mm. as just you've told me this several times that um, Tassie doesn't get a lot of big storms like that. No, we don't. Like, uh, oh well, up up to the north. So, like I've said that before, that where you get storms, the north of Tassie times sometimes gets the tail of that. Yeah. Um. So I'd say the north end of the Tassie gets a lot more storms down the bottom here, but but not many here. And when they do happen, um, generally when they do happen, they're, they're quite sharp and, and, and intense. Um, but this one just had a few fronts come through. So it was like one storm and then another one and another one. So for about two or three hours last night, we had a bit of lightning in the sky and a few rumbles around the mountains. So I saw a really, really cool shot last night. Uh, I don't know who the person was. It was on one of the social pages, but... Um, the Jack Jumper basketball team played down here and they, they won. Yes. So yes. they lit the, they lit up the Tasman Bridge green and yellow as the colours of the team. And someone's got a picture of that bridge with a cruise ship behind it with Mount Wellington silhouetted with lightning over the top. Oh, goodness. All right. It's, it's stunning. Um, I'll see if I can find it. We might be able to chuck it on the website and uh, on, on the Facebook page and show people. But it was real. I looked at it. <laughs> Funnily enough, I looked at it and went, oh, I'm not looking at that again because that makes me feel very inferior. inferior. So, but um. Yeah, so I got lucky. Um, but did did theirs make it to the ABC News? No, not yet. I reckon it will though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in all honesty, it, it probably should have made it before it mine did. Um, yeah, I don't know if whether or not they might not have even um, even taken, uh, even tagged uh, ABC in it or not. But yeah, um, it was a stunning shot. But there was a couple. Of, there's another one. Toby is a guy who lives down in the Huon Valley. I think he got some great shots as well. Um, so every, people are out and about, but. I was really lucky. I just, I had to literally go down the road and I pulled the car over. I'm like, I'm going to stay here and set the camera up and um, just let the storm roll towards me. And then yeah. when my hairs and my arms started standing up from the static <laughs> electricity, I got in the car. That, yes. Hmm. And left, left your, left your camera outside the car. Well, yeah. Um, so a good question about it. I had someone ask me about the camera today and how I shot that. Um, and I used the OM system OM1, but I, I use what's called a live composite mode. So the live composite mode, what it does is um, it's pretty clever. So it just builds a composite in front of you on the screen. It just builds and builds and builds. So the way it works is you take a photo, you see, set your composition up, get it how you want it to look, and you take a base exposure. So what I did is I exposed um, pretty much for the water and the bridge and the grass seeds in the front or the grass reeds. And then what you do is you press the button to sort of lock in that exposure. So you go, that's the base exposure I want. And then I dialed in every two seconds, I wanted the camera to take a shot. Um, and it was F11 at two seconds or something like that at the time. 
And what it does, every time something brighter enters that frame, it adds it on to that base exposure. So, so you have the base exposure because obviously lightning's brighter than anything. So any bit, any bolts of lightning that came along, it just added them into the frame. And then when you think you've got enough, you just press stop and it just puts the puts together a raw file and away you go. So um, it works pretty cool. It's a pretty cool feature. I've used it a couple it's of times a, before. It's a sensational feature. It's yeah. actually, when you think about it, it's quite clever. Yeah. Um, and Olympus do that quite well. They've got a few, you know, computational photog photography uh, things that help you to take better photos computationally, yeah. and that's definitely one of them. Um, so question, does it, it does generate you a raw file? It does give you a raw file. Um, the one thing I will say about it that, um, and maybe I can do it here. Let me see. The one thing, I'll quickly just change my background photo for a second and show you the other one I took. Sure. Um, and where is it? There is somewhere. So there, there is one thing you need to be wary of, and that's one thing I learned last night that I have to be a bit more conscious of if I'm going to do lightning shots with that. So here's the other shot. And you can see on the, the right-hand side of the frame above the bridge, away from the opposite side of the sunset, you can see the, the clouds are quite streaky and quite straight. So what it does, because it's taking a photo every couple of seconds, I've found if you do it for too long, the movement of clouds can actually become a bit jerky. They sort of get like waves of them. And one of the shots I took was like, oh, that looks really weird. So I had to stop, you know, I could have left it going for hours, but it just looked really whack. So I had to stop it. So that's one thing you have to be a little bit aware of with that feature is not to let it go too long. Um, and I think it's probably best suited more so for really dark scenarios like nighttime stuff where you can't really see the definition of clouds and stuff. But it's a very cool feature. Um, and if you're doing lightning shots, um, it's really cool. Really cool. Yeah. Um, when I run my um, entry-level workshop, uh, we do brief – I put up a photo on the screen um, similar to yours, um, but with maybe nine lightning bolts in it. Right. And because I'm teaching people photography, I ask the question, right, how was this captured? Yeah. Uh, and then you can see them stop and think and then, ah, long exposure. And yeah. It's one thing that people probably don't sort of wrap their head around immediately. It just takes a bit of time to think that mm. what you're actually looking at is an exposure over time. Yeah. And then any extra light that came into the frame. Yeah. So you don't have to have an Olympus. You don't have to have an OM system camera that's got yeah. live comp. You can, of course, you can just, um, ideally you take your long exposure photos, as Cam said, when it's darker. Yeah. Um, you can use an ND filter, but I think that will have some kind of color cast effect on the actual lightning bolts. So yeah. preferably uh, not. So shooting yeah. at sunset, uh, sorry, well after sunset would be ideal when you get a, a... So if you can line it up, so a thunderstorm is coming through after sunset, which is quite common here in Australia. We do mm. get a lot of storms of an evening um, with you know fronts that come through after a hot day and stuff like that. Yeah. The first tip I give to people, though, is the first thing you need to do when you're going to take lightning photos is check your life insurance policy. So just make <laughs> sure that's all up to date. <laughs> well, yeah. So there's there's one other thing I've noticed with the, especially the like the OM system with the ND filters and stuff like that. Because it's doing computational photography, um, you do start getting those funny artifacts that I'm talking about because it's, yep. it's not a true long exposure as such. It's, it's building exposures on top of each other. So if if ideally if I'm shooting lightning and I'm heading off to Darwin next week to go do some storm chasing, ideally what I want to do there is just have a pure traditional long exposure where 
lights just hitting the sensor for a continuous period. Whereas these computational modes, it's it's stopping and and then adding, stopping and adding, stopping and adding. So you get you do get some funny artifacts. I, I'd like I would like if OM systems could design something in their like their firmware or their updates or something like that to fix that problem, um, yeah. because it, they are super cool features. Uh, it's just that little bit that I reckon it lets it down that if you leave it going for too long, uh, you just get those sort of jagged sort of clouds going through. But Oh, can, um, but can you can you combine two? You probably can't. Um, I was going to say, can you combine live comp with pro capture? Uh, so, I you know what pro capture is? Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think you can. Okay. Uh, but I know that people that do lightning use pro capture in its normal sense, which is pretty cool. Which is cool because pro capture captures you know ten or twenty shots prior to you fully depressing uh, yeah. the button. So you know, like I've heard story, I've heard stories of pretty well-known photographers trying to take lightning shots and trying to use their fingers as timing to get it. Like they're never going to time the lightning <laughs> bolt. The lightning bolt we see is the one that's actually going back up to the sky, not the one that's, right. that, that's come down. So you're never going to get it. Um, so that pro capture is pretty cool where you can actually hold it and go bang. Yeah. Okay. There's, and then, you know, you've got 20 frames before that one, the shot behind me though, um, the one, the reason why this one worked out the best, because that is just one strike. So it's, it's one continuous strike. It's not a computational, or, or a series of strikes. So yeah. I think that's the one that turned out the best, or I guess the cleanest in the way it looks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so my advice for lightning shots as well, like definitely need a tripod. Um, yep. So you've got to get that set up. Um, you can either use some of these computational modes that you might have on your camera, or you can just do bulb exposure. The way I used to do it years ago was just chuck it on a two-second timer, do like a 10-second exposure at whatever aperture you needed to get it to, uh, ISO down low and just continue, just continuously do 10 second exposures. You get lucky. Sometimes you don't, you know, the one thing that used to annoy me more is it more than anything is the two second self timer was when the strikes happened and then your 10 seconds, you got nothing. So it can be a bit hit and miss. There's a lot of tools out there. Now I've just been talking to um another great photographer in, in Darwin, Louise Denton. She's um got a beautiful gallery up there and She's actually just put something out online now about the top three locations outside of Darwin for lightning shots and storm Ooh, watching. How is that for timing? Good timing. I actually spoke to her a few minutes ago saying that I'd catch up when I'm up there. Um, so, yeah, so she actually just bought this little device on top, like a light trigger. Yeah, yeah, I've seen these. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that's another way you can do it as well. But it is good fun. Uh, it can be a bit hit and miss and you're going to get wet most likely and you're going to get it's going to get windy. Um one big thing I've noticed with lightning storms and cold fronts and stuff like that, just as soon as that wind starts cranking up, you know, it's getting pretty close and you know, you need yeah. to start packing up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to get drowned. Well, in this day and age with uh, a lot of manufacturers making particularly their high end pro cameras, weatherproof, um, yeah. you literally can sit in the driver's seat of your car while your camera's outside on a tripod yeah. shooting away using Bluetooth on your phone as your, uh, as your trigger. Yeah. Um, you know, well, with, with, with this things one, like that, with this one, I literally just let it go because you only have to press once and twice to start and stop that thing. So yep. I just pressed it. I went sat in the car for five minutes, came back out, pressed it again. Like it was just out the window side of the window pretty much. Yeah. That's very cool. So, so sort of cheating, but you know, it's all good. no, not really. Yeah. You're using the tools of the trade to get using the, the tech. That's right. I'm using the technology available to me at the time. And you, you absolutely got the shot. So yeah, I was pretty happy with that. And, it's one of those moments where you're just like, well, I'm not going to do better than that. I could, yeah. I could wait around for another storm, but I can't be bothered. 
Well, um, I reckon over the journey, and I've been taking photos for quite some time, um, I think I've got maybe two lightning photos and both of them are rubbish, (laughs) Um, like really bad. So that's on my bucket list as well to to achieve. Um, There's some, we've got some really talented photographers here in Ocean Grove. Shout out to Pete James who watches the show. He, um, he's got some incredible lightning photography from, from Ocean Grove and Barwon Heads. Yeah. Mainly because he's a maniac and puts himself right in the line of fire, yeah. um, and but you know it's awesome. He's got a shot. Uh, you know the two bridges at Bowen Heads that we take people to. On yes. our workshop. Yep. Um, yep. He's got a bottle of lightning right in between the two bridges. So that's pretty just, handy. Yeah, very very cool. And I um about two years ago I, I went out storm chasing. Me and my boy went out, jumped in the van, went out storm chasing because the storms were just every. It was fantastic. There was lightning going off everywhere. Mm. Got in the car but left home 10 minutes too late and got to the location, got out of the car and got absolutely drenched. Like it was awful. We were were in the storm, not ahead of the storm. You need to be ahead of the storm. Yeah, you do. Um, Absolutely, you do. Um, I I love storm chasing. I think, um, you know, you're like, when you get older, you're just going to do a golf club, golf course photography. I reckon when I get a bit older, what I'm going to do is just storm photography. I love love Mother Nature at, at its worst. Yeah. And um yeah, so you really gotta get out in front of it. You gotta watch the weather. Like last night, credit to myself, um, just watching the storms roll through, watching the direction they were coming in yeah. and knowing when to leave. Like this storm that came over here, I left when it was further away from Bothwell where that golf course is. It was like, it was coming down from there. I'm like, well, it's it's trajectory is gonna be coming over here. So I'm gonna head out this way and yeah, got lucky. So, you know, you gotta be in it to win it, but you gotta plan a bit as well. You did well. And uh, just as one further aside, there is a photographer who's based in the Northern Territory uh, who's taken a lot of lightning photos. His name is Steve Strike, and I'm not making that up. Steve Strike. <laughs> and I and I just Googled him to make sure I didn't dream that, but that right. is true. <laughs> Steve Strike. Steve Strike photography in the Northern Territory. So he's got right. a few cool lightning photos. So there yeah. you go. Um, <laughs> he was born for so, it. Sorry? He was born for it. He certainly was. Yeah. Um uh, want to talk a little bit if we if we can, Cameron. No. Um. So on the weekend, I was very very fortunate to once again host the wonderful Glenn Lavender at my uh, at my shop, who ran his natural light portrait uh, yep. workshop again uh, yep. because it keeps selling out. So we keep doing it again, and he just keeps on coming down, which is fantastic. The feedback we get on that workshop is brilliant. But one thing that um, he talks about a lot. Uh, and one tool that he uses a lot is uh, higher ISO uh, photography. Right. And I wanted to talk to our audience, Cam, about uh, what ISO is and what it can actually do for your photos um, mm. and how it can help and how it can hinder you sometimes, when it, particularly when it comes to landscape photography. So right. if we just talk about portrait for a second, the way uh, one of the techniques that Glenn has when he does natural light uh, portraits is Basically, he meters for the light that's on the face of the subject, mm-hmm. and that affects the background no matter what. But his yep. focus, literally, pardon the pun, is on the face of the subject. So right. he wants to get that metered correctly. So he uses spot metering, he uses manual mode, and he sets the exposure correctly. The problem is, quite often, he's in such low light conditions that exposure, the, the um, shutter speed might be below 1 60th of a second. Right. And I teach that one sixtieth of a second is the cutoff for handheld photography. You, right. I don't care how steady you think you are, 
if you're shooting below one sixtieth of a second, there's going to be camera blur. You're going to get a bit of shake and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So what he talks about is boosting the ISO so that you can bring that shutter speed back over one sixtieth of a second and sometimes even take it higher yeah. if you want to generate a completely black background in the shadows, for example. And he yeah. talks about shooting at crazy high ISO, high ISOs. 3200 ISO, 6400 ISO, just to maintain those higher shutter speed values. Yeah. So for those of you playing along at home who are saying, what the hell are you talking about? Well, ISO literally relates to your camera sensitivity to available light. If you want to make the pixels on your uh, sensor more light sensitive, you boost the ISO. So if we go back to the day, good old days of film, and I'm sure there's plenty of people who listen along to this channel who are familiar with film. That's in film, um, yep. uh, you, you, You're looking for some film. Oh yeah, I was looking. I got my film camera just <laughs> just out of reach. Yeah. Um, so back in the day, you know, when when I used to, you know, well, years ago, you'd go in and buy a roll of film. Uh, this is four hundred ISO film, and yeah. you would buy film that was appropriate to what you were going to shoot. So if the person selling you the film was worth their salt, they would say to you, "Oh, where are you taking photos? Oh, I'm going to go down to the beach. It's bright and sunny. Here's one hundred ISO yeah. film. Yeah. Going to shoot the Grand Prix. Here's four hundred ISO film. So you know, film that was more sensitive to available light. Therefore, you could achieve faster shutter speeds." Um, right. to freeze your subject, but well, to you know, to stop motion blur and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Anywho, ISO literally stands for International Standards Organization. That is just the um, the catch-all for uh, a, a a baseline um, thing in yeah. in anything. It needs to have an international standard. So it's called ISO in photography, where you know, one hundred ISO is yeah. the same in Australia, as it is in Germany, as it is in America, as it is in Japan, it's all the same internationally. So it's the International Standards Organization that named there, it. There, there used to be another one as well, didn't there? There used to be ASA. ASA, which was the same, same, no, not quite the same, was it? Well, it was the American Standards Association. Ah, there you go. Okay. And yes. but did that line up with ISO? I think it did. I think in the okay. end it did. Um, so yeah, ASA, ISO. And yep. you said something before about EV. What's EV stand for? Um, I'm not sure. I might have to Google that to find out. <laughs> that's a little in-joke between me and Cameron. Uh, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so basically, um, yeah, boosting your ISO can help you continue to shoot hand handheld, but in the portrait sense, it can also give you that light that you're looking for and with a dark background so you've got a faster exposure time. Yeah. Now let's move this across to our landscape photography, Cameron. Right, and okay. Where, where generally speaking, when you're shooting landscapes, Generally speaking, you are looking for uh, a higher aperture number, so a smaller aperture, so to get more depth of field, yep. which generally speaking means lower bloody um, shutter speeds. Yes, it does. So sometimes you might, if you don't have a tripod handy, for example, you might need to boost your ISO. ISO. Right. So this is where... Um, but if you do that, mate, it's just going to get really noisy and I can't... I look know. The no and the guys at the camera club are going to say it's too noisy... It's the end of the world. I need a new camera. Yeah. You're just going to have to get a, a, a full frame camera that yep. uh, has better. No, of course you're not. Um, I wholeheartedly agree with Mr. Lavender, and that is shooting at high ISOs. The stigma that used to be attached to that should now be dead and buried. Um, we are, we are going to bleep that bit where you said you agree with him, aren't you? <laughs> what? He, he doesn't listen. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Listen. He doesn't even know what the show's called. Um and yeah, you're right. Like that, the whole stigma behind that is gone. Yes. Uh, I was having a chat today with a friend of mine, Luke O'Brien, another photographer down here. And oh, we had this exact same uh, conversation that ISO is the only, only benefit of ISO now is to get those faster shutter speeds. Yeah. 
or if you want to purposely create some sort of more grainy look, but you can do that in post. So ISO is pure and the pure um, method of ISO is to make that sensor sensitive, as you said, yeah. make it more light sensitive. That's its only purpose is to do that either more sensitive or less sensitive. We don't care about noise anymore. So in landscape photography, it's not a problem, is it? Well, I had, uh, no, it's not. And I, I had uh, eight people come along to that workshop. I think six of them were hesitant to boost their ISO. Yeah. Because it's been drilled into them that yeah. shooting above 400 ISO on any digital SLR is no good. It's going to get noisy and grainy and blah, blah. Yep. Once they crossed that threshold and started shooting, and I, I literally at one point grabbed someone's camera and said, give me that thing. Yeah. Cranked it to 3,200 ISO. It said, there, now take the photo. Because they came to me and said, but I can still see a bit of that background. It's like, yeah, because your shutter speed's not fast enough. Yeah. Right. Let's go. Let's crank it. And then yeah. they got the shot and mate, their jaw hit the ground. They're like, oh my God, I get it. I've been held but, back. I've been but, chained yes. by this ISO stigma. But they but the problem is they're going to go back to where they come from. Yes. And they're going to get told by some drongo that, oh wow, this shot. They <laughs> they put they put it in. They put <laughs> that's <laughs> a great Australianism, by the way. <laughs> they they take it to their local camera club. And they, if they go, this is a great, like I've just paid money to go with Brendan and Lynn, an amazing workshop. You know, it's got some great shows, great model, great shots, the whole lot. They chuck it into this competition. And the first thing they look at is the settings of the photo. Yep. And they go, oh, portrait at 3200 ISO. Well, nah, you should not be shooting that high, bang, bang, bang. And this poor person then goes back to the old habits and the old way. So how, how do we stop people doing that? How do we like, what, what stage do people start listening to us? Well, I think I think it's <laughs> the proof's in the pudding. So you, you've got to do it. You've got to yeah. see it in action. Um, yeah. And there's many ways you can do that. I mean, you can set up a static image on a, you know, you can set up, you can stage an image in your backyard. You know, mm. you can have, you can have a, you know, a vase of flowers sitting on a table or something like that. Yeah. And you yeah. can go through your ISO settings and see the effect that having faster shutter speeds does to backgrounds if you want to darken yeah. a background and you want to have the 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 correctly metered on you know on a flower or something like that you can see it in action yeah. furthermore you can see it in action in post these days and and by no means am i telling people to go out and buy photoshop or lightroom um there mm. are some really basic and cheap um uh, noise reducing programs online yeah. now yeah. that are phenomenal i mean ridiculous but so... i think that's but i think the problem still is and i had the same thing on the bay of fires workshop i did and and iso comes up again at, at the same people are just so reluctant and like i find sometimes it's it's not an insult but i find sometimes people just entertain you at, at the time and go oh okay i'll do what you say yeah, yeah, yeah. but then they go away and they're like yeah no worries and then you know, six months later, they send you a photo to critique and, you know, it's a little bit shaky in the eye. You know, one use a bit of high ISO. Oh, I've been told not to do that. Like pe people need to start thinking for themselves with their photography. Yep. And if the result of the photograph is what you want it, it doesn't matter anymore what the ISO is. That's right. You can fix it. You can denoise it. You can do whatever. So the, the uh, point I'd yeah. also add to that, Cam, is the... So if you came to that workshop on the weekend, which went for six hours, seven hours, you probably took, at a guess, 300, 
400 frames, maybe more than that. Yeah. You know, we're shooting the, the different model poses that we set up in natural light. Um, you may enlarge two of those bigger than the LCD yes. screen on the back of your camera yeah. or bigger than the LCD screen on your phone, which yeah. most people will look at them on, on Instagram and things like that. Yeah. Uh, it, again, it's one of those things where, you know, you don't even have to denoise it because uh, it looks awesome in the palm of your hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, the, no, the noise thing and the sharpness thing these days for me, um, it's almost a it's almost a non-conversation with my workshops these days. Um, I, I've had too many, not robust discussions, but discussions around it where it's people that are so set in their way about ISO and noise and that kind of stuff that doesn't matter what you say to them. Um, you know, like the Olympus cameras, oh, they've only got a, you know, practically a half frame. They're terrible for noise. Like, really? I said, my, my, my stuff looks pretty good and I print it really big. Hmm. And if you print it on canvas or a rag paper, most of that detail gets lost anyway. Um, but it's one of those things that we need to really try as a collective to stop worrying about ISO. Yeah. It's one less thing that you need to worry yeah, about. Right. Worry about your frigging composition. Yes, exactly. Energy yeah. into that rather than well, yeah. anything else. I did a, I did a little classic mistake on the Bay of Fires last weekend. We were shooting late night on sand dunes the night before and uh, someone had borrowed my tripod. So I was hand-holding. I had 1,600 ISO, just wanting to get the hand held so I can get the shots. And then I get up the next morning and we're doing a sunrise and I'm shooting my shots. And straight away, the first thing I thought, geez, this shutter speed's quick. <laughs> and then I looked down, I'm like, I've taken 20 shots of this really nice scene. I'm like, oh, no, it's 1,600 uh -huh. ISO. And automatically I went, doesn't matter. No. Kept, I didn't even change it. I went, bugger it, just yeah. keep going. Yeah. yeah. And they all, I fixed them all up and they all look fine. Yeah. There, there are very, very rare instances where a high ISO may have an impact on the final image. Yeah. Having said that, it, it's just habit forming. You know? Yeah. So, so crank it back. You know, yeah. like when you get your camera out of its bag, and this is photography 101, people. When you get your yeah. camera out of its bag, just have a quick look at your settings. Oh, why, I shot why, Astro last why, night. Why would you do that, Brendan? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, I shot Astro last night. Oh, I've got a 100 bloody ND filter fitted to the front of my camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's amazing yeah. how, how many times people don't, like they don't check. And then, yeah. and I'm, I'm not just talking, this is broadly speaking, not just talking about ISO again, but, yeah. uh, you know, they, they just don't check the basic settings on their camera and go, all my cameras are crap. All my photos are crap because yeah. I, yeah, but yeah, we all do it. I've done yeah. it a hundred times. It's funny you say that though, because the ones that you notice on workshops and when I'm not singling out everyone, but on the workshops and trips that we do, you see the people that don't pay attention, so to speak. So they grab their camera out and like, Oh, let's go bang, bang, bang. And then they go, Oh, I've got no memory card in it. Oops. Or, Oh, the battery's <laughs> not fully charged. Oops. And you've got to, you've got to sort of talk to these people and say that, you're here to do photography. You obviously love photography. You've got a real passion for it. Then like anything else you have a passion for in your life, you need to actually put a little bit of effort into it, a little bit of concentration into getting it right. So many people just rock up and their camera is still on the settings what it was six months ago when they last pulled out. And then they can't understand why their photos are not really where they want them to be. You know, it's it's an art form. You've got to practice at it. You've got to yeah. get proficient at it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that people, you know, talk about all the things that we give advice on do this, do that, set this up, do this. I think practice is the best advice. Yeah, 100%. Just, just get out and do it, folks. Like, yeah. like, I know when I was younger, I used to catch a train to work in camera house. I had a film camera on me. I would take shots at almost every station we stopped at. Just, oh, that's a cool shot. 
I'd be practicing every day. I go to lunchtime, go for a walk around the, the city blocks with my camera. I'd be practicing. Mm. So you can take your camera with you. You've got a phone. Practice on your phone, you know? Mm. Anyway. Could not agree more. Oh, right, so don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Ever. Ever. Well, only in a good way. Yeah. Um only man, only worry about it when Glenn Lavender says worry about. It. True. Coming soon in this podcast, we have Dear Cam, but before then, we have the photography word of the week. And oh. to me, Cameron, this looks like photography words of the week. Because <laughs> there's two words okay. in this phrase. All right. Duh. Uh okay, you've just deleted one of them. Uh stro- <laughs> stroboscopic photography. Am I saying that? Stro- stroboscopic. Yeah, Stroboscopic that's... photography. What's stroboscopic mean? Well, let me break it down. So strobe is, well, a flat, like a flash of light. And strobing means it's flashing multiple times, I would imagine. So strobe, and if you're taking photos using a strobe, why would you take photos using a strobe? You would take photos using a strobe to capture movement in one frame. So I've seen it done... um, with uh, golf magazines, I don't know if they still do it. They probably do it digitally now, but they used to do it where they'd show Tiger Woods' swing incrementally, like over, I don't know, 70 photos, in, but all in one frame. And I would have imagined on film you would achieve that with a strobe. Am I close? Uh, you're, you're pretty good. That's pretty good. Oh, right. yeah. Uh, the use of a pulsed electronic flashlight source to obtain multiple image of moving objects in photographs. Also see high-speed photography. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, okay. So, but but this is so this is different to, uh, you actually you're capturing movement intentionally. Yes. So, you're so not blurring the image, you're actually capturing. So, so one, for, one one example I can think of would be yeah. the firing of a bullet out of a gun. Yes. Okay. Cool. So so one thing that people don't realize if you want to capture real high speed action is that the flash and Glenn Glenn would be a great one to talk about this is that a flash strobe is like a millionth of a second or you know three hundred thousandths of a second where our cameras can do like eight thousandths of a second. Gotcha. So if you use a flash instead of your shutter, so to speak, to if you're in a dark room and you have a flash ready and you make and it, the flash of the gun goes off and that sets the camera shutter off because that's getting flashed at a you know two hundred fifty thousandths of a second, it freezes that high action. So I suggest that's along similar lines of that strobophobic strobotopic strobo strobosopic Strobo, stroboscopic, stroboscopic photography is <laughs> is used is using that strobe light or that that high pulse energy light to Mate, to capture I've got so much to learn when it comes to flash photography. Like I, I've I've got I happen here's one I prepared earlier. I have a my Godox oh nice uh, flash nice. for my AM1X which I bought specifically to do macro stuff. Um, you, mean have this, a, you mean this? You mean this AM1X? That AM1X right there, um, or or this AM1X. Look at us go. Look, yeah, look at us. Ooh, <laughs> showing fancy. off our, our guns. Um, I, I remember I had a conversation with Glyn once uh, a few years ago. Actually, it was mm-hmm. when we did the Cradle Mountain workshop. We did a portrait <laughs> uh, portrait light workshop at Cradle Mountain. And straight off the bat, when we got there, I said, man, I hate flash. I don't get it. And he says, it's easy. It's apertures and shutter speeds. It's not hard. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. He goes, if you want, you know, like exactly what you said, like high shutter speed, black the background out, do this, do that. I'm like, yeah, you get it because you've been doing it for thirty years. But on the side, I'm in, I'm in the boat with you. We we need to, you and I need to do a Glenn Lavender workshop. Well, um, funny you say that because when we wrapped up the natural light portrait one, we did start talking about him coming down to Ocean Grove to do more. Um, right. 
So that one, I don't know if you joined me in Bright. Oh, you might have dropped in on it for a minute. He he was doing. Yes, yeah, so I did. The main street. Yeah, yeah uh, uh, at night, but using one light source, mm. and it's a not a flash. It's a constant LED light, and yeah. this is a this is a relatively new area of photography because LED technology yes. has gotten so good in the last ten to fifteen years. Mm. Um, I got some of the best portrait shots I've ever done. Um, by using the techniques that were explained to me in that. And it really is very, very similar to the natural light portrait workshop. It's just yeah. that you now control the light source, which That's is right. the next level. Yeah. Next yeah. level. It's a completely different world and it's a very cool world. And that's a great plug because uh, I'm sure he'll be there next year at the Bright Festival of Photography. He will be there at BFOP. Oh, well, I'm guessing. Are you um, going to be there? Have you been invited? Um, I don't get invited to things. I just turn up. <laughs> <laughs> you like that that you like that weird uncle that just rocks up at places. That's right, I'm just there. It's like a Christmas uh, time. He just turns. So up. October October 11th to 13th. It's on this year. Yes. Uh, you can get your tickets from BFOP Australia. That's BFOP Australia dot com uh, Just dot com dot au. Um, and it's about I'm not sure how much tickets are about 190 bucks or something like that. Oh, actually, correct that 234 dollars and 95 cents. But uh, it's very cool. You forgot just, the GST. Including GST, yes. Oh, there you go. Um, so yeah, it's a really good thing, and, and Glenn will be there. I'll be there. There'll be a few others there. It's um, yep. it's a great little festival. Yeah, I'll be wandering around. Um, and to that end as well, um, we have Glenn's Natural Light Portrait Workshop running in March in Ocean Grove. If you are nice. in the area or you want to come down for a day, um, that's on Sunday the twenty fourth of March, which you can book through camera and photo.com.au or linked below in the description. There you go. Um should we do a dear cam cam? All right, Brent. Since there's one there. Yeah. Uh, episode 113, Dear Cam. It says hi cam. Now look, if you're gonna start it with hi cam, do we even bother? It's... Well, look, it says hi cam and Brendan. But the segment's called Dear Cam. Oh, that's true. Come on, get it right. Yeah, that's pretty lazy, isn't it? It is pretty. Should we? No, we'll do it anyway. Hi, Cam and Brendan. I have just got back this weekend from three weeks in Europe and Shelf. now have the joyous task of editing my images as well as catching up on Missed Down South Photo Show uh, podcast. Now, now they're, su they're sucking up now, aren't they? They're kissing Greasing the ass. wheels. There's something it coming is. here, isn't there? You can feel oh, it. I can feel it. Yeah, it's going to be hard. The, there's the setup. Here comes the sting. <laughs> yeah. As I'm going through, I am giving a five star rating to images. Hmm. Thanks, I leave themselves. Yeah, I know. I. <laughs> Five-star rating to images I want to come back and edit. Uh, I usually I usually do pretty much the same things to each picture, such as change to Adobe landscape color, remove chromatic aberration. There's a photography word of the week, etc. Yeah. Before I do a little more specific editing on each image, depending on what it needs. Is there an easy way to make a batch process for this or create a preset to apply to each image to speed things up a little? Thanks heaps. Alison Faskin, you have a book where you're from, Alison, but Alison, 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 that's her name. That's... Sorry, Alison, we're, we're we're making fun of you, and that's not fair. Thank you, Alison, for your awesome question. It's hundred percent um, fair. What is it? Um, Cam's just googling the answer, so no, I'll just stall. No, I'm not actually. No, I'm actually googling where Alison's <laughs> from. Uh, Alison is from somewhere. She's from Wheeler's Hill. There you go. Oh, there you go. Nice. Um, Right, yeah. So the simple answer to this question is a good question and one that most people should pay attention to if you do quite a lot of editing in Lightroom. Uh, the simple answer is yes, you should create yourself a preset. So it's pretty straightforward to do. So 
easiest way to do it is get one image up on your Lightroom screen. Do all those standard adjustments that she's talking about, like color, chromatic aberration, whatever it might be, clarity, the whole lot. So do the ones that are going to be standard through your whole batch of images. And then you go up to, I'm not sure exactly where it is, but it's under it's, it's a thing called set preset or create new preset. And then what it does, it opens up a screen with all the different adjustments you can do. And it should have the ones that you've adjusted ticked. So you can say, yep, they're the ones I want to create to be my standard preset. You make sure the ones you've done are ticked. You press create, you give it a name. And then when you import, then from now on, you have a little Dropbox down that says apply settings or apply uh, adjustments to, and it have a drop down box that has your preset in there and away you go. So I used to do this a lot with weddings is that you import, you know, a thousand or 2000 shots. I'd do the same base adjustments to all of them. And then I'd go through and pick the ones I want and then adjust accordingly. So um, there is an easy way to do it. It's called a preset. Um, it's pretty straightforward. Like I said, just make that first image with the settings you want. And then off that, I guess that template, go and create the preset from that. Yes. And uh, you will find that there are a lot of photographers out there that sell their presets. Um, yeah, like library want... presets, stormy yeah. night. That's right. If you yeah. want your photos to look like theirs, and why would you? But if you do, then you can buy presets online as well. But yeah, like Cam said, it's a walk in the park. You basically just open your first image, do all your changes. You can then save that as a preset and away you go. And then you're pretty much set. If you know you're going to be doing pretty similar photos um, yeah. or you've got, as Alison said, literally a batch of photos that were all done like on the same day or under similar lighting conditions and that sort of thing. And you want to yeah. apply that to all of them. That is how you do it. Yeah. You know, what's the, uh, um, surprising. I've just looked up a good friend of the show, Tom Putt's website. Now, out of Hello, everyone, Tom. everyone, I don't know where he is. Does anyone care? But he's, he's around somewhere. Um, if there was ever someone in the landscape photography world that would have a preset saying, shoot like myself, shoot like me, Tom Putt, He'd have him. I just looked at his website. He doesn't actually do presets. Doesn't sell presets. No. But you know, so that my little my little opinion of him has gone up a little bit. Yeah, that's true. So only slightly. So Wait till we put presets on down dsps.com.au. Yeah, they'll be up there next week. But yeah, <laughs> some some people do do presets. Um, I think buying those presets is a I think it's a bit of a gimmick in a way, because yeah. all you're getting is all you're getting is again, you're getting that starting point and you know, people say this, I'll give you some grungy. I know a lot of wedding photographers do it with the grungy looking wedding shots and they just put a preset against everything. Um, or having said that, Alison, if you want to get famous on Instagram or do well on Instagram, you'll use presets on everything, filters and presets over everything and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a very good way to minimize your your workflow and time spent, especially like I said, if you just come back from a big trip from Europe, you've got thousands of shots. That's a lot easier to do it that way. Very good question. Thank you, Alison. If you have a question for Cam on Dear Cam, please send it to us. You can hit us up at the link at dsps.com.au or you can just, yeah, you can send it to us via courier pigeon, smoke signals. We take it all. No problem at all. Beer donations, beer. Cameron. I was going to say inside a slab of beer. Beer donations. Well, we had a big week this week. We did. Uh, Mel H. Thank you, Mel. He's, uh, Mallory is back in the good books. Thanks, Mel. Um, and Jenny C is also back in the good books. But we had someone buy us a slab today this week. Isn't that awesome? Uh, KK is how we'll pronounce it. KK. Absolutely. KK. Um, KK. So KK bought a slab of beer for us. So thank you, K. Lovely you to see much. you tuning in, which is great. We do appreciate um, it. Yes. Yeah, so I've uh, I've forwarded that one on to you, Brendan, because 
I'm about three slabs in front, I think. <laughs> so yeah. we've used a few Australianisms on the show. And uh, if you oh, live yeah. in the southern states of Australia, a slab is a box of beer. Oh, or it's not a carton or a box of beer. Case, carton, box, 24 cans or stubbies, basically, of beer. What about if you're in the UK? What's a slab of beer there? Uh, a box, I want to say. Box. It's a box in New Zealand. Right. And they, put it in, they put it in their chili bin. They do, and and then lose cricket matches. Um, <laughs> now, uh, a little bit more homework. Uh, Murray Mallee Workshop in October is up and ready to take booking, so jump on, go and check that out. Yes. Um, if you've got any questions about that workshop, feel free to reach out, ask Cam or myself. Anything you need to know, uh, we'll happily help you out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did pop down to the Great Ocean Road uh, this week, which I didn't yeah. mention earlier. Uh, went down to Apollo Bay, sorted out the accommodation for that workshop and scouted some locations that I'm very, very excited about. So, mm, um, so am I. Those, those of you who have booked into the Great Ocean Road workshop, that's going to be fun. It's always fun. Looking forward to it. They're all, all that, fun all, all that work. You know, that's one thing that I, we can pride ourselves on. Yes. We might talk a fair bit of crap. We probably don't teach you anything, but we have a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> we teach you a lot and oh, we sorry. have a lot of fun sorry. doing it. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, 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 mis- I misread that on the running sheet there. It's okay. According to YouTube, no one listens this far anyway. It's totally fine. Um, cool. Cam, Boob, what have you boobs. got coming up in the coming week, the first week of March? Uh, what am I doing? So Monday on the 4th of March, I fly, I'm off I'm off the grid for a few days. I fly down to... Malaluka down in the southwest. Oh yes, How and exciting. do my little three day, two day, two night, three day camp down there, and then I come back for two or three days, and I'm off to Darwin. So next week we've got one day I can record. So hopefully you're available. Um, I'm sure I will be. We'll make it work. And what about what, what about you? You're you're back in the shop doing stuff. Uh, actually, you're heading back up to the Mallee this weekend. Uh, okay. Back up to the old stomping ground for one more summertime trip up to Swan Hill and Lake Boga. Right. Um, so no doubt the camera will find its way into the car for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, next week uh, back into the shop and doing lots of, gee, we're doing some more canvas prints. They just keep on coming. So um, mm. exciting. Uh, shout out to Sue who picked up her canvas Um she took a photo. She did the Glen Lavender workshop on the weekend, mm-hmm. but she took a photo on our winter uh, one-day workshop here at the Ballerine, cool. uh, and she got it produced on canvas. And she had great, great, so, yeah, excellent. Really well. So shout out to you, Sue. Uh, so that's what I got coming up. So nice. that's nice. That is me. So I guess that's it. That's probably the podcast for this week. Yeah, cool. I, I was just going to say um, a slab of beer in the UK refers to 12, 12 cans. Twelve cans. Twelve cans. See us uh, convicts, we do it better. We do it bigger, better, and better. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's the show for 113. Nice. Um, hope you enjoyed it. We will see you for episode 114 next week. Bye for now. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao.